Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I write an automotive column for Bay Area News Group, which is the San Jose Mercury and East Bay Times. I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My co-host is Bruce Aldrich, and we've been waiting to have this interview for quite a while. Um, Our guest today is Jade Gers, and he has written with Al Unzer, See, uh, Al Unzer Jr., beg your pardon, the best titled book I think I've ever seen, and I've mentioned that a few time, at times. It's called A Checkered Past, and it's the the life and times of Al Unzer Jr., and our guest is the author of the book. He's been around in the motorsports world for many years, written lots of books. So, Jade, thanks for uh, being our guest today on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Thank you, James. It's great to be here. I appreciate uh, the interest in the book and happy to chat about it with you uh, today. Well, I I would like to ask journalistically, the starting point uh, for me is um, I'm not a book author, but I am a longtime journalist. And and I'm just wondering in in general terms, when you're um, around somebody who you've known, but you know that he does have a checkered past, um, was that process more difficult for you uh, compared with other books that you've written that didn't have a story that was um, sad and compelling and all of those things combined. How was that process for you? Yeah, it, it was very challenging. Uh, I, I had just come off of uh, finishing a book uh, with John Andretti uh, in his final months of his life. Sadly, John died of uh, colon cancer. Uh, and, uh, when I was contacted about doing Al's story, he was very upfront, said, I'm going to be open. I'm not going to be honest. I'm going to tell the truth. So uh, I knew that that was going to be a challenge to be able to write, uh, something that obviously had very, very tough issues, very, very tough stories of what he had gone through in battling with drugs and alcohol. And I, I really, I give Al full credit for being so open and willing to, to talk about things that don't paint him in such a heroic light, I guess you could say. Uh, a lot of my previous books, uh, had a, a much more positive, uh, overall, um, attitude, I guess, for lack of a better term. And this one certainly, had a, a, a sense of uh, sadness and, and darkness that uh, really was a challenge for me as an author. I, I get your that statement, uh, not a heroic light, because that's kind of how I take a race car driver. He's kind of a hero-type person, uh, above it all, uh, you know, strong-willed. And then the way the book starts, this dark uh, in a ratty hotel room or a apartment, and just at the low ends of life, and it's like, oh, my goodness, that really got my attention. Yeah, absolutely. And he talked about that the very first time we met to talk about the book was uh, he said, look, he said, I want to talk about, uh, you know, going through, uh, you know, these suicidal thoughts and suicidal attempts. And uh, so, again, from my standpoint, it made it easier in a way that he was so willing to be open and honest and, and just very much, uh, 
willing and able to tell stories that uh, that weren't uh, always so glorious. Like you say, you know, we do perceive our sports heroes as being uh, sort of uh, uh, beyond sort of the realm of being normal humans. Sure. And, uh, boy, uh, you learn otherwise in, in this book with Al. Did you have a long relationship with him? Uh, you've been in the industry a long time. Did you know other members of the family, or did you know him prior to writing the book? Yes, yes, uh, yes and no. Um, I worked for Ilmore Engineering, which designed and built the Mercedes engines for the era that Al Jr. drove for Roger Penske. Yes. So, uh, so I, I wouldn't say I worked with him every day, but I, I would see him at the racetrack. Uh, we did some some projects together with with Penske and Mercedes, and then uh, in uh, 2013, I I began a book called Beast, which is about the top secret uh, Mercedes Benz pushrod engine for Penske at, at Indianapolis which of course Al was the winning driver. So I had several extended interviews with him for that. Uh, so we knew each other professionally, we got along great, but I, I wouldn't say we were close friends. Um, it really came from Al's attorney who happens to be the family attorney for John Andretti. So I had worked with the, the attorney on the previous book and when Al decided it was time that uh, that he he wanted to do a book, uh, his attorney put us in touch, and and we basically we started right away, uh, and so uh, that's how it all kind of came together and came about. But uh, we certainly became very close uh, during you know during the writing, and uh, so I, I definitely feel uh, much closer to him, uh, much more of a friend now than than previously. You mentioned Michael Andretti. It seems that that's the only guy that he mentioned as a friend in the book. Like Al didn't seem to have many friends. Does that is that a good yeah that, statement? And but what's fascinating is that he also talks about that they were very close. They trust each other. They they raced together for so many years and really only had one on track incident. Uh, and that they had such huge respect for each other. But honestly, I don't know that they were friends in the sense that they hung out together, would go to dinner uh, on race weekends. Uh, they were very much, um, I'm trying to think of the right terminology, pro professional friends, I guess, for lack, okay. lack of a better term. Uh, huge respect for each other, but... Uh, it wasn't like they were, uh, uh, you know, close uh, outside of the racetrack. So I, I found that very fascinating. And, uh, you know, at the end of the book, Michael has a huge role in kind of helping sure, get yeah. Al back on, you know, a very positive uh, track that he's on right now. So uh, that Andretti name is uh, in the book perhaps as much as the Unser name uh, from uh, Michael and Mario when they're uh, – racing with Al. The book is obviously still quite new. Whether it was, uh, whether it has been insiders in the automotive world, the family itself, or others who, who know the family or the public, have you, have you had much reaction? And even as somebody 
who knows of Al Unser Jr. And I think I actually interviewed him once in the 1980s, uh, a long time <laughs> ago. Uh, yeah. Do you, has, has the public said, does, does the public, without being insulting in any way, who is, who's Al Unser Jr. or has it had public reaction away from motorsports? Uh, it, it's still building. You, you're yeah. right in that it is a new, a new book. Our initial target it was the, uh, the automotive or the motorsports world, and we are starting to see it pick up some attention uh, otherwise, whether that's through uh, reviews uh, you know, on publications or on broadcasts or podcasts. Uh, and so far, the response has, has been very positive. And honestly, Al had some um, some probably justified fears of how this, how the response would be uh, to him being so honest. I know his family was concerned, but I think the fact that he is sort of his bravery or his courage to be able to tell his full story, I think, has really uh, touched people. And I think uh, the vast majority of those uh, uh, the response has, has been great. Um, you know, uh, really, uh, even the the negative reviews, uh, one or two have said, well, you know, I went through similar circumstances with drugs and alcohol with my family, so it made it somewhat of an uncomfortable read, uh, perhaps them reliving some of the things they had been through. But uh I'd say uh, the vast majority of the response so far has been been very strong. And uh, again, hopefully as uh, the book sells continue and the word of mouth continues, that it can kind of find a more mainstream audience because Al really does want to help people that may be struggling with what he has gone through and how he survived uh, the lowest of the lows. So um so far it's been very rewarding to see the very positive response i don't want to give away the book but i hope i can say that al little junior admits that um he was using marijuana from the start of his driving career to the end yes which made my jaw drop A, a regular daily user of marijuana and he's out there racing cars what is do you think you know Roger Penske and these other you know captains of the industry and and have all this money on the line think of of hearing this do do other guys have are they are there similar drivers out there right now doing the same thing i mean are are they drug I, testing or what what yeah what? i i i think two things um I I think certainly when Al drove for Roger um there's a pretty impactful uh, segment of the book where Roger puts him through drug tests and really puts his feet to the fire. Uh, And even when CART, uh, the IndyCar series, began random drug testing, Al was only tested once in his career, random test. Um, And he's really positive about the way uh, most of the major sanctioning bodies now do more active drug tests, more random drug tests. And his, his theory is it would be much, much tougher these days to do what he had done with these new policies and procedures that are in, in place. So 
Um, I think he feels like things have really moved in a positive direction um, as well. But uh, well, that's good um, to know. Uh, Jade, uh, going back to the the journalistic side of this, um, curious to know when you're an author and you write a book that isn't as in the as told to format. Uh, how do I ask the question properly? How much of it is what Al said and how much of it is what Al said and you've made it into a journalistic format because it is ver- a very journalistic book. It's reporting, but it's in, it's yeah. in his words. So what, what is that process? Could you explain someone who's just interested in that as a reporter? Yeah. Me, <laughs> uh, I, I can give you a quick uh, sort of read through of how, how this works. Sure. Um, because Al lived in Indianapolis and I live in Charlotte, uh, we would do these extended interviews via Zoom, via video chat, which I would record. And then I would spend uh, the rest of the week transcribing his exact words. So I, when you ask how many, uh, you know, how much of the wording or how much of it is Al, I would say 95%. Um, it's it's truly Al's voice. Yes. Um, where my role came in was to to be an editor to to take what he has said and put it into a structure or a a, a format that is readable or that is is put into as you said kind of a journalistic form. So we would have these long discussions that would go from his childhood to different points of his career. And so my role was basically to take all of that and put it in a form that is uh, uh, consistent and that has an arc um, and, uh, you know, tells his story in, a, in what I thought was a concise and readable so, um, so honestly, I think of myself as much of an editor of his words as I am the writer. Now, there are moments where um, he he would, when we would do an interview, he would uh, reference something like a particular race. So my role is also to fact check everything, to get the right statistics and Occasionally, he'd have the wrong year or something. So, um, so I, I did a lot of the fact checking and the detail confirming and all of that uh, as well. So, um, the the greatest compliment I could have from people is when they say, you know, I can really hear Al talking to me through this book, or can really hear his voice telling these stories, and that really is honestly, my top job or my first job, my first priority as an author is that it's not the Jade Gurr story. This is Al Unser's story. And, and so I have to preserve his words and his voice as best I can. But to get a compliment like that, that is a nice compliment. If somebody who has read the book says, I can hear Al, uh, that's, that's about as good as it gets. I would think that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, honestly, you want the book to seem as if you're sitting in the living room with on your couch with Alan Sir Jr. and he's he's telling you these stories. 
Um, and it's been the same. I, I've, again, worked with John Andretti, Darrell Waltrip, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, that's always been the goal of the books is to present these compelling humans in a way where the, the feeling is that they are talking to you, the reader, directly. You did a really good job on that. It did sound like, uh, obviously, I haven't spoken with him, but it, it sounded like, you know, a race driver talking to you. And Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he has his speech patterns. Uh, we did have one review that uh, that said it wasn't, he was disappointed that a professional writer was brought in and that the jargon wasn't, uh, professionally smoothed over, and and I think that person missed the point that this is a, this is Al speaking. It's not always perfect, and, right. and he has certain speech rhythms and patterns that uh, that I want to preserve for the book. So it reminds me of um, reporting on in certain professional leagues where sometimes athletes don't speak in complete sentences, or they have difficulties with certain parts of the language far be it for me to be perfect, but I've always had this discussion with editors. Do you make uh, someone uh, sound more literate than they are in a quote if they're stumbling and, and you want to make it sound better because you know what they're trying to say, they just can't say it. And that's, that yeah. I think a lot of editors, uh, whether it's a daily newspaper or a book like yours, it, it it's a difficult decision to make, I think, sometimes. It, it is very much so. You're very, very correct. There's always that, I guess, balancing act um, where as an author, sometimes um, you take what a person has said and you uh, either make it more understandable or, or you put it in a, in a manner that is, has more clarity. But I try to always opt for their... Um, uh, speech patterns or their manner of speech. Uh, so the, the book itself is not, uh, you know, it, it's not designed to go into the Washington Post. It's designed to be a, a portrayal of, of Alan Sir Jr. So. Sure. Um, as a follow-up, and if you care to share, uh, was Al emotional in some of the interviews that you did? Was it... Um, Difficult for him. Difficult for him, and, and people who I know, not, not personally, but several friends who are in 12-step programs, part of their 12-step program is to talk about what they've come through, and I'm wondering if you ever felt uh, like you were part of a 12-step program when he was telling his story. Very much. The, the telling of these stories, many of which have never really been told, I think was very therapeutic for him. I think it was emotionally very... Uh, cleansing in a way for him to share some of this but there were particular times when he really did become very very emotional and we would have to stop um you know his first wife Shelly um she was such a positive and negative character in his life and there were times when he would just get so emotional that that we'd have to pause or or stop um and then um, in 1999, um, Gonzalo Rodriguez was a young driver that was his teammate for several races, was killed. And then a few weeks later, Greg Moore was killed. And those back-to-back, -back, I think, really hurt him to his core. 
And uh, that was a very difficult segment of the book uh, for Al uh, to really walk through those those two uh, terrible scenarios, which happened, you know, a very short time back to back. So uh, those were a couple of examples. But uh, but the fact that he was emotional and was willing to share those emotions, I think, a better book. It, 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 it's it's very real emotions that you're reading. Um, you know, those, those emotions are right on the surface with him, particularly on certain topics. Sure. Another emotion that I heard um, several times through the book was fear. And I had never heard race car drivers talk about that. And he's, uh, you know, especially just one example is uh, open wheel cars in the early 80s were pretty dangerous cars. But, you know, you yeah. figure the drivers get in them and they do what they got to do. But he, I, he gave an example. He goes, I cannot crash this car when he's at, like testing for Indy or something. And I cannot crash this car. He, he was so afraid of the car and crashing it because he knew there was not a lot of protection there. And I was surprised to hear that type, type of talk out of a race car driver. Yeah, I, I was shocked, too. Uh, this is my sixth book. In each of my previous books, there has been an element where I've tried to get into a, a driver's mind to how do they deal with fear? How do they uh, sort of compartmentalize that sense of, of fear? Now, very early on, Al said, well, I, I was never fearful in a race car. He said there were times when something would happen and the, the car would scare me, but I was not fearful. Then as we continued the interviews, as he became more and more open about these things, he really kind of opened up about that uh, and I agree with you. I think it's fairly rare for a professional driver to admit uh, a lot of those fears. Although I will say Al has been hasn't been a professional driver for uh, you know nearly twenty years, so he's uh, you know his his driving days are behind him. So maybe it's easier in that scenario to admit That's than true. with someone like. Uh, you know, an active driver who may not want to show that aspect of their, you know, their personality while they're still an active driver. But, uh, but boy, you really hit on it. I found that uh, very fascinating with Al. Yes. I remembered uh, while we were talking, this uh, situation was in 1986 or 1987, and there was a kart race at Laguna Seca, and I had not been exposed to automobile racing at all. And, and I think it was it was Al and um, Bobby Unzer and maybe Danny Sullivan, and there were only a few reporters there, and I was very new to it, and I was just remember how amazed I was that these guys were so calm and collected with such low blood pressure, and and <laughs> you know I was just like, look at these. I've been around other sports where people are, you know, in the moment, think the tempers are flying and everything's very emotional, and these guys were just sitting there, and I. They were uh, just so easy, and even when someone like me, other young reporters were asking stupid questions, nobody got rattled. They just took everything in stride. <laughs> it was very impressive, and then it dawned on me, well, that's what the way they have to be. They're in a car. Yeah, they have to keep everything absolutely. under control, and so I, I was um, immediately impressed with these guys, and that being said, I'm, I'm wondering if there were people in the industry who didn't know uh 
Al's situation until perhaps they read this book, or was it very common that that he had had these struggles throughout his life? Um, I, I think it's mixed. I think everyone had a suspicion, I guess, for lack of a better term, or yeah. everyone kind of knew that uh, that he he was going through things, or as he put it, that he liked to party, quote unquote, party. Yes. Uh, so it it was a poorly kept secret inside the the garage. Um, then when his his first arrest in two thousand two was actually not a DUI, it was for domestic abuse when his who became his second wife basically they got into a fight while they were driving and he ended up leading her on the side of the interstate at 3 30 in the morning um and when that hit the news um basically it, it would became incredibly public and became tabloid fair and all of that but, yes uh, uh, but certainly by the time that he was driving for Penske and his on-track performance, uh, you know, he was no longer um, winning races as he had. I, I think that was pretty much, uh, you know, an un- unkept secret within the, the realm of the, uh, the, of garage. the garage. I yeah. don't know that a lot of his fans knew what was going on. Um, I also feel that, that that some who have read the book were shocked at the depths of what had gone on in his life. Yes, me um, too. And, you know, and the many things that he had gone through. Um, so I, I think that, I don't know that if surprise is the right, right word, but maybe they have a deeper understanding of what he had gone through, um, you know, through his career and, and afterwards, so... Uh, so I, I think it was, again, it was positive for him to kind of share, um, you know, why certain things had happened or why things had, had gone on. So uh, uh, I, I think that's more the aspect of people finally understanding the depth of it. As we understand, he's uh, recently married again. Yes. In mm. fact, uh, he recently got married and uh, he's been... Uh, uh, enjoying life with his new bride. So uh, that's why I've stepped in to take a few interviews on uh, while he's uh, enjoying the married life again. So uh, I'm uh, happy to try to do all I can and uh, let him enjoy uh, things. Uh, and I, I think it's very positive for him. Uh, she seems to be a very good influence on him. And uh, so I'm happy for him and hopeful that that's uh, you know, a great sign going forward. And that's kind of how your your book wrapped up, right? I mean, not the marriage, but just that things are looking brighter and cheerier, and we hope them the best. Yeah, and and I hope you know I didn't want it to have this sparkling Hollywood sanitized ending. Um, and he is in a better place, but he admits, you know, this is a a, a disease that that. Is, it's with him always, so it's always going to be there. And uh, I think he's he's grown up a lot. I think by admitting some of this, it's helped him deal with it. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I think he's definitely on the road uh, 
road to a better life. I think the last chapter is called Redemption. Yep. Not sure if he's quite fully there, but I, I hope the book kind of shows the journey that he's on to, to get better, to reach that right. redemption. Well, that's a, um, a great place to, yeah, redemption uh, is a good place to to wrap this all up. Um, I want to reiterate the name of the book is Al Unser Jr., A Checkered Past. It's a great title, as told to Jade Gers. Do we say Gers or Gers? Gerst, but Gerst. hell, I'll answer it about anything. <laughs> okay, thank you to the positive, and a forward sure. by a forward by Roger Pinsky, and uh, we wish yes. you um, nothing but the best of the success of the book. It's still very new, and um, it's just a wonderful story um, about a guy who's come through a lot, and he's a. I mean, the Unser family is probably the preeminent motorsports family. There's many other families that have had uh, multiple people in the families who have been race car drivers, but. Everybody knows the Unzer family, and uh, and we wish nothing but the best for for him. And uh, if you have another book on the horizon, tell us about that real I, quick. I, I'm I'm taking a bit of a breath right now. Okay. Uh, I did the the Andretti book and this book back to back during the pandemic, which was was great. But uh, I kind of need to c- cleanse my brain a little bit before I start the the next one. But uh, but I'm always on the lookout. I've, I've got a few feelers out, but uh, nothing right away. But uh, I'm uh, really looking forward to what the next one will will be. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Jade. The uh... I, th- I read it cover to cover. I mean, I thought it was a great book. Just, I didn't read it because I had to read it or something. It, it was. <laughs> I read it in like a day and a half. I, I wow. rip, ripped through it. It was great. So it's, you know, well, I, I, you. Like, I like the race yeah. car aspect, obviously. That's what I really was expecting and what I wanted to hear. But mm-hmm. the other parts were just fascinating, the, how, how the two co-mingled. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I... I, I I think sometimes the the discussion about his difficulties overlooks the fact that sort of the first half of the book are tons of great racing stories about and about the family. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. There's a lot of uh, oh no success and great stories. Well, on that, Jay, thank you again. We I'm sure that uh, the book is available on all the regular outlets people can buy books and uh, we appreciate your time and and thank you for chatting with us very much appreciated thank you guys it means a lot i, I sure appreciate you having me on thank you thank you bye bye now